1077 The Franchise is your flagship for Oklahoma sports. So we decided to launch a podcast with the very best names in Oklahoma sports media to cover it. When they said no, we called in some interns. Thank goodness John changed his mind before we did something stupid. This is Inside OU with John Hoover on the Franchise Podcast Network. That is true. I'm not going to argue. Uh, I'm not going down that path. We just we just watched uh, Black Panther. My daughter and I just watched Black Panther. She's catching up on all the MCU. Okay. And she said, uh, like, about three quarters of the way through it, she goes, oh, my God, this music is so bad. <laughs> And I said, Kendrick Lamar did this. And she goes, well, that explains it. Oh, not a Kendrick Lamar fan. Nope. Well, I mean, I I really couldn't tell you a Kendrick Lamar song. And there I'm, you go. I'm 29. I'm supposed to know that. But I, I just, I don't, we, we listen to what we listen to. We play what we play. We write what we write. And uh, that's just the way it is, I guess. Yeah. And that, not... that movie won an Oscar for best music, so. I'll say this, like when I was watching Black Panther, I liked the music. I mean, I'm not going to listen to it on my on my phone or anything, but I liked how it meshed with the movie that I was watching. It fit. Yeah, really I, well. I thought I, I thought as well the same thing you did. Um, it's like a Tarantino I, I was, film where like the music is not obviously period correct. Like if you're watching right. Django and Chain and they're playing rap music, it's like, well, that right. obviously rap wasn't invented that far back <laughs> in history, but it goes well with the story. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And I was a little surprised that she said she hated it, but uh, I thought it was okay. But whatever. You like take that trash outside. But I'm with <laughs> you. I'm more more classic. Uh, give me an instrument and let me play an instrument. Yeah, and, like, I've yeah. been on a Led Zeppelin kick the last two months. I don't know why. Like I've always loved Led Zeppelin, but I like I always hated Led Zeppelin three. And I was like, you know what? I really need to just jump into this record and, and see, like, if I if I actually don't like it, or if I just don't like it because everybody that listens to Led Zeppelin says, "Oh, Led Zeppelin three sucks." And so I listened to it, and I'm like, you know what? There are some hidden gems on this thing. And oh yeah, I, I at this point I kind of like it better than Led Zeppelin four because Led Zeppelin four it has Stairway, it has Rock and Roll, it has Black Dog, it has all the hits. I hear all the hits on the radio every five every five minutes. Like I'm the same way with the Black album from Metallica. I like Inner Sandman. I like Sad But True, but I hear them every five minutes, and I want to listen to something else. I'm with you, man. And by the way, we are recording. This is the Inside OU podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I like. I like talking about music every once in a while. If oh, I can, there you go. If I can fit it into one of my three million podcasts that I do, then so be it. You are the, um, what are we going to call you, podcast king of Oklahoma? I prefer the podcast overlord. Uh, Colby, Daniels, okay. Colby Daniels actually asked me that question uh, pre-game on the franchise uh, for the UCLA game late, um, earlier that day, because I think that was, what, a 5, 6 o'clock tip-off? You were in Sounds Tulsa. Right. You were in mm-hmm. Tulsa watching the Tulsa-OSU game where Tulsa almost beat OSU. Um, but, yeah, like he asked me that, and I was like, yeah, well, let's do podcast overlord. There you go. Because I'm a large nerd, and it just sounds he's, nerdy. He's Brady Strantham, podcast overlord of Oklahoma. I'll take it. I want. I it. for one. I don't want. Welcome to. our new podcast overlord. Yeah, um, John. <laughs> I'm very, very happy to announce, um, OU podcast listeners. If for whatever reason you like listening to me, um, you're probably also listening to the um, Locked On Sooners podcast with John Hoover. Who does? I mean, John, you do a fantastic job. Like I've listened to. Obviously, I do Locked On Thunder. I have no idea how good of a job I do. I know I just do it. Some days I don't want to do it. 
Some days I do want to do it. It's, it's a grind. But you did such a fantastic job with it. And I actually enjoyed listening to a podcast Monday through Friday. Like, like I said, I listen to other Locked On podcasts, but I usually only listen to them when they apply. When the Thunder are playing the Nets, hey, I'll give the Nets Locked On podcast a listen. But you did a fantastic job, and I'm happy to say that I will be taking over for it. So hopefully I can do just as uh, good of a job as you did so that somebody else can say, like, oh, that Brady Trantham, he, he does pretty good on the Locked On Sooners podcast. Well, Brady, I appreciate it. Uh, it was fun to do. I learned a heck of a lot in the four months, five months, whatever it was that I did the Locked On Sooners podcast. Um, I had a good time with it. I enjoyed actually executing everyone. It was, as you said, a grind to come up with content and new material and fresh ideas every day. But uh, I am more than thrilled to hand it over to you because I know you're going to continue the man- car- continue to carry the mantle. You're going to carry the torch, and uh, I I can't wait to hear how it sounds with you behind the mic. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's just going to devolve into my audio manifesto <laughs> of why Bob Stoops should not be revered in the in the annals of OU football history. <laughs> Come no, I'm on, just, I, man. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. By the way, my dad gave me probably one of the greatest Christmas presents ever. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if I actually sent you the picture, but he gave me a dartboard, and then he post then he like taped pictures of Bob Stoops' face all over it. Oh <laughs> Needless gosh. to say, it got a lot of <laughs> it got a lot of use after the Peach Bowl. <laughs> wow. It's all Bob's fault, man. <laughs> that's how you, you got start. issues. You you got anger issues you need to get out, sounds like well again, that's why I have a dartboard. Like like I'm not going around violently hitting somebody and blaming Bob Stoops for ruining my childhood or anything. <laughs> like, just think of me as a crazy Star Wars fan that hates George Lucas. Bob Stoops is my George Lucas. And you know what? I think that, I think that's a fair analogy. I really do. Like, you see people say George Lucas ruined my childhood with the prequels. And, I mean, after the new trilogy has come out, I, I miss the days of the prequels, let's just say. As a minor Star Wars nerd fan, I'm not a super Star Wars nerd fan, but... Uh, like me. Yeah, like, I miss the bad writing, the bad scripts, the uh, the bad CGI, the overuse of CGI. I prefer that because at least George Lucas had an idea for what his trilogy was trying to tell, like the story. Because Disney sure as hell didn't have an idea. They, Disney basically just said... Hey, Bruce Kittle, we're going to hire you to direct this film, even though you, uh, we, we don't really know if you're in line with uh, the story that's been established already, Ryan Johnson. Blah, 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 retcon, episode three, retcon, all this BS. Like, obviously, I have a lot of issues, John. That is why Brady is the, the podcast overlord, because he can draw a, a parallel between J.J. <laughs> Abrams ruining Star Wars and Ryan Johnson ruining Star Wars and Bruce Kittle ruining OU football make OU football and Star Wars great again John can yeah. you do it oh uh I probably could actually give me a give me a typewriter <laughs> and and some white out and I will make Star Wars great again I'll make it look like the 70s how about that oh man oh man I'm so jealous by the way of the talent of John Favreau oh no question. At least the Mandalorian. At least Disney has so the right good. idea. At least Disney has the right idea. Like obviously, John Favreau knocked it out of the park with the, with the Mandalorian. So let's just go ahead and give him the reins of Star Wars moving forward. But here's the problem. Yes. Here's the problem, John. If you watch the Mandalorian, outside of the armor that the Mandalorian is wearing, the uh, the Boba Fett armor, let's just call it, mm-hmm. 
outside of that, would you know that this was a Star Wars movie? Yeah. It's not very Star Warsy. No, it's it's got a lot of Star Wars callbacks. There there are a lot of callbacks because it takes place in the universe around that the time that this story is being told. Bro, but, they got Baby Yoda. What more do you want out of Star Wars? Yeah, there's Baby Yoda, yes, but there, there's no <laughs> there's no there's little use of the Force. There's no Jedi Knights. There's none none of the. We have to have a lightsaber in this scene. We have to have a Skywalker in this story. Right. We have no. To have, that's a, that's why it works exactly because it's so not very Star Wars. Yes. But it's still a Star Wars story, if that makes sense. It, mm-hmm. Like, do something different. I like what Ryan Johnson did in theory. He tried to do something different. It just didn't work. Yeah. I, I just watched Rogue One as well, and it, I'd forgotten how good it is. It's the second time I watched I watched it in the theaters, and I left thinking, that was really good. I'm going to need to watch it again. So, like, whatever it is, two years later, I watch it again, and I'm like, holy crap, that was really good. So, some Star Wars stuff. Very good, very good storytelling, very good set design, cinematography, all that stuff. The other stuff that we've been fed over this last, the last trilogy, it's just been like shotgun blast to the face of Star Wars, Star Wars. It's like, dude, that's it, too much. Homer too Simpson's much. Homer Simpson's makeup shotgun. <laughs> Have you ever watched the Simpsons? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Marge is like Homer. You've got it set to horror. <laughs> <laughs> I miss another uh, another, another Dis- Disney property. Another oh God in heaven! I thought monopolies were illegal. Yeah, no, apparently not. The Simpsons is another brand that was once great and has since deteriorated. Mm-hmm. Kind of like where you where were you going with this the, in terms of the uh, OU podcast? Oh, that Bob Stoops stated OU way too long. <laughs> <laughs> the Simpsons should have ended ended at season ten. Season eleven. That should leave it. Leave it to me to bring us back to center. Well, you that's and, what and continue the continue the complaining that everyone came for again. Like on the Locked On Sooners podcast, I'm just going to I'm going to buy myself a podium so that I can record standing up and pound my fist on the podium as to why Bob Stoops is the reason why OU lost the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Peach Bowl. <laughs> I'm just okay. No more Bob Stoops hate because like I'm pretty <laughs> sure half the listeners of this podcast love Bob Stoops. And, hey, he's a good coach. He, he won OU National Championship 20 years ago. You know, He's getting and, ready to show the XFL how it's done. Y'all. I know. with Who's who's Dallas's backup quarterback? Do you Are you that no well idea. in their roster? No idea. None whatsoever. Let's see if they have a roster. On if the they end. were smart, they'd hire Blake Bell. Oh. Can you imagine if they <laughs> – what, what, would, what would Landry say? Like, God damn it, just give me one chance. <laughs> of course, if you, if you were unaware, Landry Jones – uh, hurt his knee in practice the other day. He's out four to six weeks, so uh, he won't be the starter February what fifth or ninth whenever they play. Yeah, uh, their first game. So let, let's see. There's a picture of Bob Stoops. Um, let's see here. Quarterback Philip Nelson. This is just the numerical roster, so I'm just going to read all the quarterbacks that I see. So Philip Nelson, six three, two twenty two, out of East Carolina. Um, Landry Jones, obviously not going to play. Um, uh, we're getting into the 30s, and I don't see another QB. Is that it, Philip Nelson? Do they have? Do they really only have two quarterbacks on roster? Wow! I'll tell you this: when I Google Philip Nelson, age 26, September 11th is his birthday, 1993. That's my grandma. Madison, birthday. Madison, Wisconsin. Um, there seems to be a police mugshot Uh-oh. among the Google Google images that are turning up. Well, that's probably why he's in the XFL. There you go. Let's see if there's any like, um, skill position. Here's the headline. 
by the way, this is getting off the rails, but here's the headline. No jail time for Nelson in assault on ex-football player. Oh. Oh. Yikes. Back away, back away, back. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, they're fine. They're fine, John. They've got Gerard Gerard Hurd at a uh, wide receiver. <laughs> sure. Gerard Hurd, a quarterback, he'll, a wide receiver. Play for a wide receiver. The league might only the league might only be in operation for one year, but Gerard Hurd is going to find a way to play for the XFL for like 15 years. Yeah, and uh, can you imagine <laughs> if every XFL opponent of the Dallas Renegades was defensive, defensively coordinated by Mike Stoops? Gerard Hurd would win the XFL Heisman, and he'd have to throw <laughs> the ball 12 times because Mike, Mike Stoops would prepare for the pass. What did he have, 14 passes for 300 yards? Uh, in his entire career at Texas? No, 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 against OU. Didn't he have a big game like that? No, in 2015, Gerard Hurd beat OU, and he threw it six times. Like, he just and ran. I, I thought he got, like, 300 yards of passing or something like oh, that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm already looking up stuff. <laughs> 2015 OU-Texas. Oh, see. Brady, I can take you down a rabbit hole so quick, man. I like, ra- I like rabbit hole. It's the off season. OU's not preparing for a national championship, which I'm, I'm – I forgot that there's still a national title that we have to watch. Is that this Monday? Um, I think they're going to stage that one in sometime in April. <laughs> Clemson versus LSU. It's either April 2020 or 2021. I can't remember. Okay, Gerard Hurd, 2015, um, Texas beats Oklahoma 24-17. Gerard Hurd was 8 of 11 for 53 yards and a touchdown. Okay. No interceptions, mind you. And Tyrone Swoops came in for – um, a token pass on the goal line where they just ran it to the side and he th- tossed it to somebody wide open. One of one for two yards and a touchdown. Um, okay. Gerard Hurd. So they had 55 yards passing and, and beat OU. Yeah, rushing the football, Gerard Hurd had 115 <laughs> yards on 21 carries. Uh, Deontay Foreman had 117 yards on nine carries. Jonathan oh. Gray, former five-star running back who was going to be the next Cedric Benson but never became anything, although he had 76 yards on the day rushing um, on 22 carries, Texas rushed for 313 yards as a team, and I'm telling you, Mike Stoops prepared for the pass I'll, with those two quarterbacks. Yeah. I will, I will let you destroy me slowly but surely on all these inside runs where you get six, seven yards a pop. But I'll be damned if you beat me on a play action pass because I wasn't prepared for the pass and I didn't have seven guys in the box. Man, dark days. Just awful awful and that's why mike stoops is a paid intern in tuscaloosa which do we have any idea what he's going to be doing for future employment is he going to stay at alabama and be one of a nick saban Um, hangers on very possible uh the way i understood it uh heard back in september that nick saban was paying his paid intern something like two hundred thousand a year (laughs) defensive analyst uh designated film watcher by the way, um, kind of loosely connected to Mike Stoops. I don't know if you just saw this. Let me let me see where the tweet actually was because this happened right as we started recording and talked about music and Star Wars. So hopefully we still have people listening at this point, the pod, but because uh, we are in the football part of it. But uh, Pete was it Pete Tamil or Pete Thamel? Thamel. Thamel just spoke to Kerry Cooks, the Texas Tech safety coach. He's parted ways with the school and is looking for the NFL or college opportunities in the secondary. He coached defensive backs at OU, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin. Kerry mm. Cooks is not at Texas Tech after one year. OU kept his ass mm. for how long? Five years? Mm-hmm. My, uh, um, four years, I think, maybe. I, I can't remember, but 
So he's For he's an entire open class cycle, an entire class yeah, cycle. That's right. He, he's open to coaching in the NFL or college. Has he thought about high school? Yeah, I'm open to uh, a raise up to around a million dollars as well. Ooh, hey, that's a good idea. And Where's I'm, the line start for that one? I'm up to also being a judge on the Miss Universe pageant. <laughs> that's not a path I want to go down. Well, I mean, if I get paid for it and I get to take pictures with the ladies, you know, I won't. I won't say no to that. It's good. You pub. get to. You get to wear a cool toupee. Do I need to wear a toupee? No, I've got too much hair. Do you? That's want part something? of the part of the gig, though. Oh, okay. Well, whatever I have to do, I'm a company man. Listen to the franchise podcast network. <laughs> By the way, we do have a new year long sponsor. We do New Balance. What? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I wear New Balances every day. You know why? Number one, I'm an old guy. Number two, they're best for my feet for running. I when I run and, and do my walking, I, I put a throw on my New Balances. Are you a fun guy like Kawhi Leonard? No, I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Ramsey has that shirt. We need to get you a New Balance uh, Fun Guy t-shirt. That'd be great if you wore it. I'd wear it. Wear it to a Lincoln Riley press conference. I'd be so happy. Maybe I could wear it to a Thunder press conference. Oh, I would welcome you with open arms to the Thunder media contingent. More talent. It's been it's it's been a while, but I've I've been there. I've I've been in I've I've been in the pit. Russell's not here anymore, John. He cannot hurt you. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be okay. I, I asked Russell. I asked Russell one of those questions one time, and he looked at me out of the side of his eye and gave me the answer of something like, "Man, it ain't got nothing to do with that." And then I, I pressed him a little bit, and he and then he answered the question, and it turns out that it did actually have something to do with it. I can't remember what the topic was, but it was it was interesting. <laughs> Probably something to do with it. He difference. tried he tried to shut me down, and I said, "No, this is this is an actual question." And he said, "Oh yeah, okay, I see what you're saying." Not at all. Yikes, um, John. I, I guess we should. I guess we should talk about Lincoln Riley not going to the Dallas Cowboys when it was a set in stone thing that he was going to go. When Brock Vandegrift surprisingly decommitted last week, um, that was of course followed up a few days later by the commitment of Chandler Morris, 2020 quarterback prospect out of uh, what is it, Lake something, Texas, out of Dallas, right? Lake Highland, Highland Park, Highland Park. Um. Talented in his own right, like make no mistake. Like when I watch film on Chandler Morris, I certainly see why Lincoln Riley is is uh, enthused about his talent. There is something there, but Brock Vandegrift is the best quarterback and the best player in the country in 2021. So that's still a net loss at the end of the day. Uh, but no, no Lincoln Riley to Dallas. Still at OU. Um, I don't know how uh, the Dallas Cowboys are going to recover from this. Lincoln Riley not going to Dallas. Why? Because Chandler Morris decided he was coming to Norman. Exactly. Did he, did he stick around? Was he leaving? And then Brock Vandegrift said, dude, he's going to Dallas. I'm decommitting. And then Chandler Morris called up and said, I'm going to come to Norman. And Lincoln Riley told Jerry Jones, nah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and stay here. Is that how the business works these days where the, the coach determines whether he's going to the NFL or not based on, uh, who his quarterback is going to be. Um, that was the okay. First of all, that's the worst connect the dots media take I think I've ever seen in in all the history of doing this. I remember one time Adam Schefter came out and said, "Inside sources tell me that Bob Stoops is taking the Notre Dame job." 
Oh no, I remember that too. That was almost yeah. Like, you know, and it, the the, ne- the next day he came out and said, "My inside sources were way off base. I will stick to the NFL from here on out." This is worse than that. This is worse. Connecting the dots with Brock Vandegrift and the Dallas Cowboys is worse than anything Schefter ever did covering college football. Um, I'll just say this. I agree. Like it is certainly silly that those dots were connected, but I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the decommitment, because it was surprising, I don't think anybody was prepared for that at all. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody with inside knowledge outside of maybe Lincoln Riley, maybe even Lincoln Riley was surprised. I think he was. My first initial thought was, oh God, what's going on? Because OU just gets destroyed in the Peach Bowl. Not a good look for the program in the short term. It's not going to matter as much moving forward once we get into the spring. And, you know, it's going to, the hope and the optimism is going to get pumped back into every OU fan's little hearts. Like, I get all that. Um, but the, I'm not going to lie. The first second I saw Brock Vandegrift decommit, my, my next question was, what the hell, why? Yeah. Um, and then you have the, the Dallas Cowboy thing hovering over, right. over everything because Jason Garrett, it took them a fortnight to fire him. Um, and we yeah. don't we don't know all the ins and outs of the communication uh, with uh, Lincoln Riley and um, yeah I mean I don't even know if I should say this because like I don't even know if I told you and in fact I think I might have did I tell you about the Atlanta Falcons did I tell you about that I told the story okay so um, Lincoln Riley did talk to the Atlanta Falcons this year. I mean, I was told that by some people, two different people that don't know each other. Um, While he was in Atlanta? No, this was during this. I think this was actually before the, what was the last home game? Was it TCU? Mm-hmm. Um, Lincoln Riley spoke to the Atlanta Falcons, and I was I don't know if this is a 100% fact, but I was told this, again, by two different people that I typically trust with these types of news news things. And at the time, I wasn't worried about it at all because both people described it as he's just he's just being nice. Like he's he doesn't want to burn bridges for the future, and that, that's what you got to do. Um, so knowing all that, like when Brock Vandergriff decommitted initially, and Dow still was without a head coach, I'm just thinking like, oh, is this actually going to happen? That's interesting, um, and I don't doubt the the efficacy of that report or rumor or what your sources are saying. And again, like, I think I'm, that, I'm an OU I, fan, I, so like I don't care. I, I do not. I, I'm an OU fan. I'm not a media member by any means, like you, John Hoover. So when I hear stuff, like take it with a grain of salt. I'm just a fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get that. But what what would strike me about that is that it is not something that I would think is terribly odd. It's not something that, that I think is uncommon would be considered uncommon. Um, because what, what we know is that Lincoln Riley has NFL teams in town constantly. And especially in the off season, I don't know about like, you know, during off weeks or open dates or even, uh, when they have games, I would, I would think that part might be uncommon, but, Lincoln Riley being a young up and coming coach, uh, coming out and saying to NFL teams, yeah, sure. You can drop by the office. Uh, I'd I'd like to visit with you. Sure. You bet. Yeah. There's like, I don't think that would be races of OU. Like, like, OU allowed it to like, yeah, that's fine. If you want to have lunch with these guys, go ahead. And again, are you trying to say John that Lincoln Riley wouldn't go on vacation during a bye week during the season? (laughs) I would probably go that far to say that he wouldn't go on, vacation during a bye week. Huh. Um, yeah. 
uh, shopping for properties or whatever was happening. Um, <laughs> no, well, I think I think, think that's any of your business. Yeah, I, I think the uh, I think the Atlanta Falcons or any other team giving him a call and saying, "Would it be okay if we stopped by your office? We we're going to talk football a little bit. We're in the market for a coach. We want to evaluate some of your players. We're just kind of knock it all out at one deal." You know what I mean? I, I don't yeah. think that would be crazy. And if he if he has a little time uh, on a Tuesday afternoon before practice gets started, sure. Um, but and I don't know the context of of the meeting that you're talking about, but I would think that something like that would not be too crazy to conjure up no i mean i mean hell like we work for a company john i i talk to people from different companies all the time and you know most 99 percent of the time it's just because we we all cover the same teams we're all in the same spot so we might as well enjoy each other and be cordial um so you're always in discussions with people from different or competing companies and then you, you know even sometimes those conversations might devolve into or evolve into uh Hey, so it would be so cool to work with you. This is why player empowerment in the NBA became a thing. Hey, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, I'm LeBron James. It would be so cool if we play with each other. Yeah, it would. Oh, my God, we actually can do that. That's not against the rules. Like, these things happen. So um, I wasn't worried about it at the time. Like, as an OU fan, like, like don't worry about it. He's just trying not to burn bridges. It is what it is. Who cares? He's going to be here. The Dallas thing was always going to be a worry because Lincoln Riley is a Texan. The Dallas Cowboys are a destination job. OU is a destination job. And I actually want to get your thoughts on this, John. When will the national media understand that when you're looking at sports in Oklahoma, if you're talking about the Thunder, sure, you can have that idea that it's not a destination. Players don't want to go there as free agents. And then when they're big, they don't want to stay there. People need to, the national media needs to stop looking at the University of Oklahoma football head coach in that same light because OU is a destination job because I mean, what is Chuck Fairbanks the only? I was co- getting ready to say Chuck Fairbanks is the only coach that has left OU in a good position where he could have stayed on and had a lot of success in his own right as OU's head coach, and left for the NFL, and then ultimately he gave it to, gave the job to Barry Switzer. The rest is history. Yeah, no, I was going to conjure up Chuck Fairbanks as well, and don't forget, um, after his failed run for the Senate, uh, it was uh, it was Bud Wilkinson who tried went out for the NFL and you know didn't have success. Um, so it's, so it's not, it, yeah, I think the national media, Bob Stoops didn't touch it. The NFL job, uh, Barry Switzer never considered the NFL a, a serious, you know, because the NFL didn't play the way he wanted to coach. Uh, and, and now we're to believe that <laughs> seriously, I mean, you, you bring it up almost in jest, but it's, it's, it's true. It's like, okay. So because Chuck Fairbanks did it back in 70, what would that have been? 72, 73, that uh, Lincoln Riley is suddenly a candidate for the NFL. Listen, the NFL thinks a little differently about college coaches these days, about young coaches, and more specifically about offensive coaches. Yeah. I think Lincoln Riley and his system would work. His personality certainly would work in the NFL. He, he would have success. But, uh, you know, we talked about this on our on our previous podcast, Locked on Sooners. Does, does that translate to him saying, oh, my God, I got to get an NFL job? That's the that's the end all be all. I know I've been inherited this amazing kingdom that I was given the keys to here in Norman, Oklahoma, but it's small potatoes. I need to get an NFL job to validate my coaching skills. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. Listen, the NFL chews up talented young assistants and spits them out and they and they are regurgitated as, you know, career 
position coach, retreads, occasional coordinators, and sometimes they get a second or third opportunity as a head coach. I just, I just listen. If you're at OU, you've got a job for life, and not only that. I mean, he's not making Matt Rule money, but Lincoln Riley is making damn good money coaching the Oklahoma Sooners. Why would you leave that? Why would you leave all that? And he's and you know he's going to make more. He just won the Big Twelve for the fifth year in a row. He has had nothing but success. Joe Castiglione is going to hand him what's he at right now? Five point six? Is he over six million? I, I always lose track because it changes literally every I year. Think Matt Rule is paid more than him. Like, and, and obviously until he's now become the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. But I think Matt Rule is making more money than him. At Tom, Baylor, you think he was? Yeah, I don't think Tom, he was. No, Tom I think Herman Matt Rule sure. was making more like three or four million dollars a Tom year. Tom Herman sure as hell was. Yeah, yeah, Tom, and and I think that's one of those things. Tom Herman or the or the quote unquote Texas coach and Lincoln Riley. I think that's going to go back and forth every February and and June when the Regents approve the contracts. I think they're going to one's going to surpass the other every year, uh, at least until somebody gets fired and the next guy comes in you know who I'm talking about. Um, so I I don't know, listen, just because you can coach football, does that mean, and and do it very at a high level? Does that mean that you're willing to leave a blue blood college football job for any NFL job? No, the Dallas Cowboys to Lincoln Riley's probably not any NFL job. He's from Texas. Uh, he has ties to the Joneses, Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones. He has personal family ties to them. I get that. But does that mean he's going to leave OU? When Switzer said no and Stoops said no, and I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't. I think this thing has become so big that it's one of those maybe eight, nine, ten college jobs that a coach would really, truly not give serious consideration to leaving for. Yeah, I mean, unless the OU coach in question was a guy like Matt Rule who had NFL coaching experience prior to becoming the head coach at OU, like. Because once you've tasted a little success, I guess, as an NFL coach, and then you get your own head coaching job at a lower level in college, like, yeah, you're probably going to have that desire to be an NFL head coach at some point um, in, down the road. Now, Lincoln Riley could very well still have that dream. That, that, I mean, Mike McCarthy's their new head coach, but, I mean, my God, like, Mike McCarthy wasn't really – I don't think that much of him as a head coach with the Green Bay Packers. Like, who, for all we know, he might be the coach the next three years, and then – we're three years down the road, we're probably having the same damn discussions that we're having right now. Is Lincoln Riley going to go to Dallas now as a more seasoned mm-hmm. head coach? So I don't think that this is over in terms of Lincoln Riley to the NFL. I think that that's certainly on the table over the yeah. next five to eight years. Because And, I, and Lincoln, we saw it with Bob Stoops. Yeah. We mentioned before, Ke- Cleveland, San Francisco, uh, Miami, I think Chicago, various teams were in the Bob Stoops sweepstakes. And at some point he kept saying no, he kept saying no, and he kept saying no until that finally that window closed. Um, so that's something that Sooner fans should consider as, well, does he does he follow Bob's model and stay in college forever, retire yeah. from college, or does he realize that Bob Bob's window closed, but maybe before he wanted it to, and um, maybe he maybe he leaves a little earlier than Bob did. There, there's something that can be considered there for sure. Yeah, and because um, to me, like with Lincoln Riley, like one one of his better assets characteristics as a head coach is just his ability to recruit. You don't recruit in the NFL. Um, Kerry mm-hmm. Murdoch, who runs the uh, Sooner Scoop website and does the uh, unofficial 40 podcast, I think he said on the podcast last week that um, Lincoln Riley will be an NFL head coach if he's still you know a hot commodity amongst coaching circles. He'll be an NFL head coach when he doesn't love recruiting anymore. 
Because at some point, it does become a grind. You're not like at some point, Lincoln Riley isn't going to be young. He's going to be a little bit older. He's going to be a little bit, oh man, it's starting to pass me by. If he's smart enough and self aware enough at that point, that's when you go to the NFL. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's really. Bob should have had that same mentality. As soon as recruiting became a chore to him, just pack your bags and go to the NFL. I think yeah. I think Bob would have been a fine NFL head coach with his personality. Right, I agree, and that's the that's the model we have to use because that's the most recent model at OU. But I think you're right, Lincoln Riley. I've said it before; he's really good at recruiting because he enjoys it, and he enjoys it because he's really good at it. Yeah. Uh, when when that, when the recruiting start starts being a grind, when when uh, Texas or TCU or Baylor or somebody like that, Oklahoma State, whoever it is, uh, starts bending the rules in recruiting and starts ticking him off with great regularity that, that he's trying to, you know, coach or recruit by the rules and his, his rivals are not, or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Alabama, Clemson, maybe it's Ohio state players that he's trying to, to take out of other parts of the nation, you know, as he continues this uh, trend of recruiting nationally and he's going up against other big, big time blue blood powerhouses. And, you know, coaches say this all the time. If, if uh, if the level play if the playing field were level, we would we would be on we would be just as good as them. Uh, and I'm not saying Lincoln Riley saying that. I'm saying just coaches in general believe that. They always believe that Texas is cheating. They always believe that Florida or Miami or somebody is is offering players extra benefits outside the rules of the NCAA. And so if we could just if we could get them to say, that's one of the things that makes recruiting for these guys who are really good at it makes it not fun is that they want to do it and do it right and be good at it and adhere to the rules. But by golly, that other team, LSU, they, they, they're offering money. We can't offer money like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Auburn got Cam Newton. Cam Newton's dad was shopping. Did you know, uh, Cam Newton almost came to Oklahoma? They, they, Cam Newton's dad came to Oklahoma, talked to Kevin Wilson and said, here's how much money we want. And Kevin Wilson said, (laughs) okay, never mind. Uh, never mind. No. How would how would Cam Newton have looked in an OU uniform? I don't think Oklahoma was willing to pay two hundred and ten thousand dollars or whatever it was for his services. Oh. So that's that's my point <laughs> is that when it starts being, uh, hey, we're fighting this war that's that's already a damn grind. We're fighting this battle with one hand tied behind our back. That's when you see guys like Lincoln Riley, and that was about the time in Bob Stoops's tenure, you know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, that recruiting started getting really hard on some of those guys things the recruiting kind of you know the the team recruiting rankings went from six eight nine every year to 15 16 18 21 every year that's about the time that it started and so i could see where that might have been the window mathematically that's better than most i'll just add that better than most better than most um that's the window that bob stoops started kind of running into uh, some some hard times and I could see where if Lincoln Riley runs into that similar situation where he would say, you know what, recruiting sucks, screw this, I'm going to the NFL. This I Actually, we, we touched upon it because you brought up the Cam Newton thing, and thank you for bringing that up because I had forgotten that, and now I'm reminded of it, <laughs> and oh my God. Ugh. No, we'd rather have Landry Jones for the next three years. Ah! Oh well. Um, <laughs> and look, you're a legitimate journalist john you're a legitimate media person in the uh ou football circles so if, if we get into something that you are not comfortable with saying 
in a public forum on a podcast, like, by all means, just say next question. You can Russell Westbrook my ass. I don't care. But I do want to talk about just the recruiting game of OU compared to some of the bigger schools in the country or, or the schools that are um, recruiting at a higher level consistently. I am not under the illusion that OU is just a pristine little clean, we play by the rules program. OU pays their players. They pay their recruits. Like I, I'm not stupid. But I, I'll tell you this before you go any further. Joe Castiglione would frown strongly upon that revelation. Oh, really? Yes, he would. I have no doubt that he would. I have no doubt that the administration, the leadership doesn't want that to be a thing. And don't forget Stoops, when he found out about Bomar, he called him in the office and said, you've got one chance to tell me the truth. Did you take money from this car dealership with that work? No, sir. You are out of here. Mr. Five-star quarterback, you are out of here. I Listen, I wrote a column when Bob took over for Switzer as the winningest coach in OU history, and Bob thanked me for the column. It was, I wrote that not only is Stoops the only coach that's won every BCS Bowl, not only is Stoops the winningest coach in OU history, not only this and that and this and that, but he's done it without being in NCAA trouble. He's done it without having to cheat, pay his pet players. He's done it the right way. And I applaud him for that. I applauded Bob for, for sticking to that. And I think Lincoln, to a large degree, I think does the same thing. Is that good enough, though? Well, I mean, Look, do you want to pay $200,000 for Cam Newton? Is that what you're saying? It's not To, my to money. get a national sure. championship? Sure. Because, <laughs> look, everybody knows Cam Newton cheated uh, at Auburn in terms of he broke the NCAA rules that he took compensation. But guess what? There's still a trophy there. They still have a national championship more recently than OU. Like, so, again, my question is, Schools are being pretty blatant with it. Jacob Phillips went to LSU because LSU paid paid him at the last second. They paid his trainer or his agent, whatever the hell that guy is. Jacob Phillips doesn't doesn't go to OU, which causes Kenneth Murray as an 18-year-old freshman to play out of position to play middle linebacker. Imagine Kenneth Murray playing in position because Jacob Phillips is here. But like to me, like you're not breaking any moral code. This isn't a Baylor situation where moral, ethical, and human legal laws are being violated on such a large scale you're just paying guys Absolutely. to come play football like right like oh you stop pretending that you're a pristine little clean program oh you has the skeletons in, the, in their in their closet and look at all their national championships they all came around times where the program was under probation except for the 2000 national championship so again i ask like is there any hope for OU to actually get to that level of elite elite if they're just playing with one hand behind their back in terms of the recruiting game it's tough because I, I think, uh, and I got a, a text or an email from you about this. I think the last college football team to win a national championship without a bunch of Johnny five stars was Oklahoma in 2000. And that team had some kind of really, really special uncommon grit, you know, having been force fed John Blake for three years. Uh, and some of them were still holdovers from the Howard Schnellenberger era. Uh, they came to OU to win, and they didn't win when they were there. And so the 99 team and the 2000 team had a special quality about them that I'm not sure national champions typically have anymore. And I, what I mean by that is they didn't have a lot of five-star guys. They didn't have a lot of future NFL guys. They had some, but not a lot. Yeah. And what they had was a, a, a will to win, a, a kind of an iron will, a, a sheer desire 
to not lose. I mean, think of the, the Texas A&M game and, and even the, the Florida State game. That team was, and I'm not saying this to be Joe Homer or anything, that team I think was truly special because you you started to see Ohio State in a couple of years, Miami in 2001, Nebraska, teams that were chuck full of five-star guys, chuck full of NFL guys. That's who started winning national championships. And I think OU was the last team to really do that without a bunch of um, elite talent. So can it be done? Uh, I don't one, think so. One out of 20, I, I, we've one gone out of 20 years now. So yeah, no. sure. Cause I mean, I can just list them all off at the top of my head. 2001 Miami ton of five stars, 2002 Ohio state ton of five stars, 2003 LSU, a lot of sec talent, five stars, 2004 USC, 2005 Florida, um, 2000, no wait, 2005 was Texas five star talent out the yeah, NBA. Texas. Mm-hmm. 06 was Florida. Um, 07 LSU, 2008 Florida, 2009, uh, was that Cam Newton? No, 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 2009. Was, that was 10. That was Alabama. 2009 was Alabama, Alabama, yeah. 2010 was Cam Newton. 2011, um, good God. See, this is coinciding with the time, John, that I started, uh, that I turned 21, so I was starting my <laughs> drinking phase. And so you started mem- killing brain cells. My, my, my memory has <laughs> lost me. Who won the national title in 2011? Was it Alabama again? Uh, don't. I think you're right. I'll uh, I'll Google it for you right here. Actually, I'll do it too. We're, this is awesome podcasting. Oregon um, lost to Auburn. So that no, that was 2010, right? The national championship game. Yeah. So the 2010 Al- season. Alabama. No, this was the OSU year. This was. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it was LSU Albert, uh, LSU Alabama, of course. Yeah, and Alabama won. Yeah, the rematch, uh, and then to, 2012. Yeah, so so you're right. I mean, um, Auburn might have been might might fit in that line of didn't have elite talent across the board. They had an SEC talent. They were in the SEC at the time when the SEC was winning everything, and they had Cam Newton. So I think that I think that fits. Their all world talent outside of Cam Newton was on the defensive line. Like their defense was good enough to win them a lot of games on its own merit, but they had that's Cam true. New- that's true. Cam Newton. Yeah, and they were thirteen and zero. They were undefeated. They had legit NFL talent. Absolutely. And when you compare it to Oklahoma in two thousand, it's not even close. Yeah. Oh boy. So yeah, like th- that. That's the game. Like you've got to have talent now. Lincoln Riley. I mean, if we're just going to be, we can't prove anything. Sure, Lincoln Riley is recruiting at an elite level over the period of time that he's been at OU, uh, relatively speaking, um, without diving into the dirty Wild West games of recruiting, um, I guess, again, we can we can say. But, again, OU's had no problems with offense. OU's had no problems with quarterbacks. OU's had no problem with receivers. It's been the money-making positions of D-line and linebacker and maybe john we we consider that as ou fans or ou media that we deal with ou all the time we consider those positions money makers because ou doesn't have them whereas teams in the sec are probably thinking god i wish we had a baker mayfield or a kyler murray or even a jalen hurts fall in our lap yeah um and anywhere look at anywhere on the uh the alabama rosters from the last 10 years uh, or several other teams' programs in the SEC throughout the last 10 years. I can remember uh, the Kansas State game at home 2012 when Kansas State and OU 
shared ended up sharing the Big 12 championship, but it was Kansas State who won that game. Yeah. Uh, that that Sunday after OU lost to K State because K State literally pushed them around. They they just manhandled and beat them up front, offensively and defensively. K State, Kansas State had the better offensive and defensive line than Oklahoma did. I called Barry Switzer and I said, Coach, uh, what do you think's up? And he said, We don't have any more Tommy Harris's. We don't have any more Gerald McCoy's. Those guys aren't coming to Oklahoma anymore. We need some guys to come out of Texas who want to go to Oklahoma, who are who are stone cold killer assassins that play on the defensive line, but they're all going to the SEC right now. And he was right. And that trend has continued. And it, you know, if Oklahoma could get those guys, could get them a couple of them a year, one or two, to fall in their lap, even every other year, um, you you might see something different. But instead, we're seeing you know the the Big 12's continued migration to the to the spread offense. We're seeing the leftovers of uh, the Texas high schools saying we're going to produce elite quarterbacks. And so we're going to emphasize these seven on seven camps and our, our elite defensive tackles and even offensive tackles. Where, where have those guys gone in, in Texas? Where have those guys, they've disappeared. And so, and, and as, if you're Oklahoma and you live and die with your recruiting out of Texas and Texas has gone to the importance of emphasizing seven on seven drills and, yeah. Elite camps that produce nothing but quarterbacks, those elite 11 quarterback camps. And Texas is all about quarterbacking now. And kudos to Texas because they've produced some unbelievable quarterbacks over the past two decades. But again, where have all the damn defensive tackles gone? Where have all the nose guards gone coming out of the state of Texas? OU's best nose guard over the last 10 years came from Canada. Yeah. I mean, again, like, I guess every program has their their uphill battle in terms of recruiting a, a type of position for the sec. It's been quarterback. It's been having an innovative offense. Now LSU potentially has, you know, o- opened the floodgates for the sec to just say, Oh, that air raid can work. It can win you a national championship potentially if LSU takes care of business against Clemson on Monday night. But um, no, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the sec in terms of the air raid. But um, even though they've had their, their uphill battles from a recruiting standpoint, John, they've had no problem winning championships. So it does beg the question. I mean, what exactly is more important, a quarterback, an elite level quarterback or an elite level defensive line or an elite level defense? Like what truly helps you win a national championship? And like the cliche still rings true is defense wins championships. So um, look, look, I'm, I'm excited about Alex Grinch. Um, the Peach Bowl, I was actually having this conversation with my buddy Matt the other night. I asked him straight up, like, does the Peach Bowl do anything bad for you in terms of, like, how you view Alex Grinch? And Matt was like, yeah, it does. And I was like, I didn't care if they lost by 100. Like, Alex Grinch wasn't going to do anything special from a game plan standpoint, from a, a, a substitution standpoint. OU had no chance, and it wasn't – it had little to do with Alex Grinch. Like, the problems that he inherited, those take a few years to, to recover from. He's already done so much with this defense, with this program uh, – basically like giving them new life especially on the recruiting trail we'll see what happens but um to me it just seems like on paper the defense is in the right hands from a recruiting standpoint from a coaching standpoint i just hope it actually bears fruit yeah well alabama won a national championship with aj mccarron as its quarterback um because they had the elite defensive linemen yeah there's another one i mean you know uh What's what would you rather have? 
I'd, I think I'd rather have, honestly, I think I'd rather have uh, 11 draft picks on the offensive and defensive lines and a game manager at quarterback. And, and, and don't forget the running backs that Alabama and receivers that Alabama has produced as well over the last decade or so. I mean, the, the, the number of running backs, uh, there are four guys in the NFL right now who are in the, in the uh, Alabama backfield at the same time. You know, Yeldon and uh, guys like that. So, remember when OU used to do stuff like that? Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is that, yeah, Oklahoma's had the number one pick in the draft. They've had the Heisman Trophy winner, but has that produced what Sooner Nation really wants, which is a national championship? I mean, stat, Heisman statues are cool. There's no doubt about that. That's a that's a really cool looking park that they've got out on the east side of the stadium. But where where are the national championships? The national championships are coming from schools who produce, you know, seven or eight first round draft picks on their offensive and defensive lines. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Um, I guess, I mean, since I already said it, I guess we can just jump right into Jay Bulware and the running back room. And I mean, we talked about it on the last pod, John. Um, it got a little g- good traction on the interwebs amongst my friends and people people that listen to the podcast, um, they seem to vibe off of the uh, idea that Jay Bulware probably needs to be on the hot seat. If we if we had to pick one coach on this staff, from a coaching standpoint, from a, uh, a game management standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, because recruiting is the lifeblood of college football, as you well know, and Jay Bulware, look, Kennedy Brooks, good running back. But... I thousand mean, yards, two years in a row. Okay, so if we're if we're only going to talk about Bob Stoops level running backs, now were there worse running backs than the lower tier that I'm about to say? Sure, there were running backs that came here and transferred. There were running backs that flamed out. There were running backs that never played. So of course there is the bottom, bottom, bottom of the barrel. I'm not going to deny that. But here, here here's how I tier OU running backs over the last 20, 25 years. You have your low end guys like Brendan Clay like Kewan Jones, like guys that can rush for over a thousand yards, guys that can be your running backs, but they're by no means game changers. And then you have your Chris Brown, your Alan Patricks who can be pretty darn good. You know, they they could be all conference level good, but they're not going to keep defensive coordinators up at night of like, how the hell am I going to stop this guy? And then you have your elites like uh, Joe Mixon, uh, Adrian Peterson, DeMarco Murray, guys that can just do everything. I know AD didn't do so much catching the football out of the backfield, but Adrian Peterson in that era of college football was a game-breaker just from his athletic ability alone. So to me, like, OU just hasn't had that guy over the last few years. And Rodney Anderson, I guess, was as close as we can get since Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. But unfortunately, Rodney Anderson was a complete and utter injury risk, and he did have – a great season in 2017 with Baker Mayfield and the Rose Bowl team. But um, to me, if OU just has a game-breaking running back, especially with a quarterback like Spencer Rattler moving forward, that does so much. But unless Seth McGowan is that guy out of Mesquite, and I don't know if he is, unless he's that guy, I mean, OU's not going to have it next year because Kennedy Brooks is coming back, which is a good Alan Patrick, Chris Brown level guy. Um, Trey Sermon, I mean, have we seen any reports about him thus far? Mm, reports other than he's out with an ACL and yeah. still coming back. You mean, Oh, you're, you're talking about leaving or potential. Yeah, no, I don't, leaving I, I, or I don't think anything is, yeah, yeah, no, I don't think anything is, is has come of that, but you know, the way his uh, junior season ended, why would you come back if you're Trey Sermon? 
you, your value as a as a thousand yard running back um, potentially last year, not 2019, but 2018, ha- has apparently diminished to the point where you you get on the field and your job, your role is to throw blocks either for Kennedy Brooks or Jalen Hurts or you know pass blocking. Um, so I I would. I wouldn't count on him coming back. I think he's a good dude. I think he gets it in terms of where, where, what kind of back he is and what kind of future he has. Plus, he's gotten hurt now. What was it? All three years, or was it just the last two? Um, he's gotten hurt enough times. He's taken enough pounding to where I think it would be in his best interest to go get paid to do that. Don't you? Yeah, get paid to rehab. Yeah, there but you go. I, I guess if you're Trey Sermon and you decide to come back, I, I would assume that the hope is you've got a young quarterback, so there might be some times early on, especially in the season, where you lean more so on the running game. Well, you don't have Jalen Hurts that's going to gobble up 15 to 20 carries in his own right, which 90% of those are probably just improvised runs. Like, Lincoln Riley wasn't calling for 20-plus carries a game for Jalen Hurts. So I guess if you're Trey Sermon, like the hope is I'll get more opportunities this season with a young quarterback and no Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I don't know if I would if I were him if I would risk that. I think I think that's um, that's betting on yourself and it's betting because here's the deal: he's bet on himself the last two years and I think he's been fantastic. Uh, but then you start asking the coach to bet on you too when the coach has shown. Hey, no, we don't want to give it to you. We want to give it to this guy or that guy. Or the, what if Spencer? What if um, what if uh, Lincoln Riley says, you know what, Spencer? We think you can do the exact same things running the football that that uh, Jalen Hurts did. We're gonna we're gonna have you carry it twenty times a game. That, I mean, what? I, I I personally think Lincoln Riley's not gonna do that. I think that would be a disaster. But what assurances do you have if you're Trey Sermon that that's not going to happen? Yeah, and it's a shame because, like, in my opinion, I mean, you might have a completely different opinion, John. Trey Sermon is, at least early, like, his freshman year, I thought he was going to be, like, incredibly special. I thought he had that, when he touched the football, there was, like, an air of, like, okay, this guy has something. There's something Mm -hmm. there. And maybe it's just been unfortunate because of the offenses that he's been in, because he's been surrounded by so much talent that you cannot just force feed one guy. And he's played with Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks that make their own plays in their own right. But it's just never really gone over. He hasn't gone over the hump from the Alan Patrick tiered running back, in my opinion, to the DeMarco Murray, Adrian Peterson level. But, I mean, I I think that he could potentially do that. And if he does come back, I mean, no Ramondre Stevenson until after Texas. But, I mean, yeah, most of me agrees with you and your take of, like, just go get paid to rehab, man. Yeah, just it's smart. Smart football looking forward for, especially for a running back because their shelf life is so short. And you know what? Really quick, I should have said this at the top of the show because hopefully this person is listening this deep into the podcast, I would hope. But um, I I didn't have a chance to talk to you about this, but we've got to get this guy on, John. So I've mentioned on this podcast a handful of times, one play that does uh, make me a little upset is the uh, play in the Rose Bowl where DJ Ward – didn't hit Jake Fromm, which potentially could have ended the game, won the game for OU. Mm-hmm. DJ Ward added me on Twitter <laughs> and said, "Really?" He said, "Hey, Brady does sports. I, I love the Inside OU podcast, even though you keep my keep my mistake in the Rose Bowl fresh in my mind." And then he had a laughing emoji. And then I was like, "Hey, just make a clip of me making with all my mistakes in the podcast. It'd be about two hours long." 
Um, so, like, DJ had a good little attitude about it. It did make me remember, like, oh, God, people actually listen to me and my takes. So, mm-hmm. I shout out DJ. Yeah, shout out to you, DJ, DJ Ward, for having a good uh, attitude about it. I, like, my apologies. I, I don't mean to bring it up. I am a crazy OU fan. So, plays can stick in my mind forever. I can forget who won the national title in 2011 because I was drinking at the time, uh, of course, as well. But, DJ, if you ever want to jump on the podcast, we would love to have you on. You're a good sport. Absolutely, that would be big time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I should have said that at the beginning of the beginning of the show, John. So people do listen. So I can't wait for the aggregators to say like, "Oh, Lincoln Riley talked to the Atlanta Falcons again." <laughs> I am just a crazy fan. The aggregators. There, I am not important enough to aggregate, at least in the OU football realm. Now, um, if you want to aggregate my Thunder takes, by all means, please do. It's good for my hey, brand. He didn't just talk to them. He interviewed with them and turned them down because they offered him the job. They offered him a, like a 10-year, $75 million contract, but he turned them down. No, I, I, that's all fiction. <laughs> I just made that up. You aggregators can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> aggregators are cool. That's when you know you're – I've only been aggregated, I think, as twice. A, as a former newspaper guy I would who came up for 30 years in newspapers, I would not necessarily agree with your opinion that aggregators are cool. Cool. No, no, no. I look at it from this standpoint. If you're important enough to be aggregated, that means you've made it. I've been aggregated twice. <laughs> and each time I was very honored that I was aggregated. Well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, like me down here on the bottom of the ladder and you up there in the pinnacle of like journalistic heaven. Did you aggregate me? I don't think so. Okay. Thought you were making a confession right there. No, 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 no. I, I had to do <laughs> some. Ag- I had to do some aggregation stuff uh, for Thunder Digest when I started covering the Thunder, like as a blog boy. But I was always careful. Like I, I never like jumped to a conclusion. I would just blatantly say, "Here's the context of the conversation that these two people had off the cuff on this podcast. Here's the context. Here's something that was that would interest you as a Thunder fan." But again, this was just a BS conversation. Yes, that's the thing, especially when you say, I heard this on a podcast, 95% of your, I heard this on a podcast will be, hey, these two guys were talking about this. I mean, that's all you need to know. Ain't, ain't nobody reporting anything major here. Come on. Yeah, podcasts are supposed to be like two guys at a bar just talking. Right. Sports, really. And like John has his media perspective, his inside knowledge of the program of OU football, which is invaluable to this podcast. And I have my crazy, I've got Bob Stoops on a dartboard perspective that i bring to the show which some people can love and some people can go please have that asshole stop talking (laughs) i think you've perfectly encapsulated it there you go it's just the way it's the dynamic uh john we've we've done a locked on sooners podcast before we've done this so we've talked a lot today i mean is there anything else that we need to touch on before we get out of here um how do you feel about uh matt rule leaving the big 12 conference it sucks. It sucks for the brand of Big 12 football because, um, obviously, until Texas figures their shit out, this conference is never going to be at the level as it was as I, when I came up watching Big 12 football in the late 90s, early 2000s, when they were probably the best conference in the country. Um, you have to have your flagship programs be very good. Now, OU has held up their end of the bargain, but um, I think from a philosophical standpoint, you can never truly be good if your rival sucks so bad. Yeah. And you look at you look at it historically when OU has won national championships, Texas has been at the forefront of college football. When Texas has been bad, OU has not been at the forefront of college football. 
um, in terms of winning that national championship and vice versa. When, o- when OU is awful for an extended period of time, Texas is also kind of mediocre in their own right, because when you have nothing to compare yourself to, it's harder to be that much more of a grind on yourself as a head coach, as a program. Now, OU again has held their end of the bargain up, but Texas needs to be good for the big 12. But at the same time, you do need your secondary programs like Oklahoma state to be good in nine, eight, nine win season. And as Crappy of a job as I think Mike Gundy did this year in certain moments. They still won, what, eight, nine games mm-hmm. in a rebuilding season with a lot of freshmen. That that That's a good season. When, when you as a secondary program in a conference, that's your down year. That's very, very good. You're not six and six. You're not five and seven. That's very good. Baylor is a secondary program that none of us thought was going to be very good, but Matt Rule made them a legitimate, respectable program, a program that you didn't look at as a run-of-the-mill, exciting Big 12 team that just doesn't play defense. They were a program that, Mm -hmm. if he had stayed there for the next five years, was going to be right there with Oklahoma and would probably win their fair share of battles because their team team played like it this year. That was a well-coached team. That was a team that played very well for their coach. And from that standpoint, it's disappointing that he's out of the conference. But from an OU fan's t- standpoint, cool, more recruits for us. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit what they did this year. It reminds me a little bit of what we were talking about earlier with Oklahoma in 2000. Just getting beat over the head, losing every game, not the, having a coach that was disorganized and having a bad rap around the program. Those guys got tired of that. And the guys that are juniors and seniors on this Baylor team, they got tired of it. And they, they won games, a lot of games. They won six games, I think, this year by a touchdown or less or single digits, whatever that stat was. I yeah. think it was a touchdown or less. They, they found out how to win games. They learned how to win games going 1-11 and and losing to Liberty, who was in its first year of major college football, um, if you can call it major college. Losing that game and, and that sucky season. I think formed something in those guys, kind of hardened them a little bit, put a scab on them, so to speak, or a callus maybe is a better way to say it. Yeah. That that uh, you saw the benefits of it this year in in going eleven and one and losing only to OU in Waco and then losing to in the championship game. That team, they figured some things out um, as as players. They didn't have a bunch of blue chip talent by any means. Had some good players. They didn't have a bunch of NFL guys, but they had some good players. The question I have now moving forward is, I think Matt Rule surprised all of us. He did a great building job at Temple, and he did another great building job at Baylor. What does the next guy do? First of all, what does the Mac Rhodes, the, uh, the athletic director, do in replacing him? Does he promote from within? Joey McGuire seems to have the vote of confidence from all the players but Joey McGuire was a high school coach four years ago. He was a high school football coach in Dallas four years ago. That doesn't mean he's, he can't coach. What I'm asking is, does that translate to him being able to coach a major college contender to, to continue what Matt Rule has done and make Baylor better? Can, can Joey McGuire, as a head coach, win a college football conference championship? Can he beat OU the next time they play him? I'm not saying he can't. I'm asking the question, can he? I'm, I'm not doubting. I'm not hating. I'm saying, I don't know if he's the right guy for the job. Does Baylor need to go out and get another Matt Rule, somebody who has done a building job at another program, somebody who, or maybe Baylor has moved past that building stage, you know, where where the Art Bryles era tore them completely down. Does Baylor need to not do that 
uh, in its hire? Do they need to go out and just hire a, a ready-made coach, a coach who can come in and win games right now and doesn't have to worry about building guys up? Uh, and maybe it is Joey McGuire. Maybe it's somebody else that they uh, have on their radar in terms of uh, he's out there right now at a mid-major. Yeah. Or maybe there's an assistant coach out there at a major college like a, like an Alabama or a Clemson or an Ohio State or somebody who's ready to take over that role. Whatever it is, Matt Rule leaving – and going to the NFL and making $70 million for the Carolina Panthers, I think that's going to diminish what Baylor had accomplished. It's going to interrupt where Baylor was going. It's going to interrupt that trajectory. And it's going to be a setback for the Big 12 Conference because, as you said, Baylor won games in the trenches this year. Baylor won games with offensive line, defensive line play, defensive a lot more than offensive, but you know what I'm saying. The, their quarterback play was fine. Their wide receiver play was fine, but it wasn't elite. What was elite was their defense and their defensive line. Baylor, imagine this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm drunk here. Baylor won games this year because they hit harder than their opponents did. Can you imagine a world where Baylor football hits harder than the opponents? That's where Baylor had gotten to, and, and it's just amazing what Matt Rule did. And I think no matter who takes over the job, unless you somehow convince a Nick Saban or somebody like that to come in, I think the Baylor program is going to be diminished, and I think the Big 12 is worse off for it. I mean, yeah, no question. I think where Baylor should go, I think from a philosophical standpoint, they need to probably promote from within because you want to keep this this train rolling. No doubt. Because if you do go after like an up-and-coming assistant, like or an assistant or even a head coach at a smaller school like Seth Luttrell, um, the fear is – if you're Baylor, if you go that direction, then you're probably going to perpetually just be a stepping stone for that for that next head coach. Where if a coach like Seth Luttrell comes in, has good success off of the Matt Rule success for three years, and then a bigger school comes calling, then he's gone. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're wanting to do philosophically from Baylor is get your guy and get him entrenched and get him involved in the community and get him involved with the program for the long haul so you don't have to constantly do this because ideally you want to be a successful, good football program. But if you're constantly having to overturn coaches, the likelihood that you're successful over a five- to eight-year period is like less and significantly. So um, I guess philosophically, yeah, you want to hire from within in that, in that regard. But, I, I mean, I have, the, I have the same questions as you if that's the way that they go. Right. That seems like a good strategy that seems like on the surface that's the way to go and that would work tulsa tried doing the same thing both football and basketball not not that tulsa's in a conference or has the resources that a baylor does right but i'm saying they're both private schools they both have gold helmets you know trying to draw parallels (laughs) here um tulsa tried that with its football program set it back five years maybe more maybe they're still set back from that uh tulsa tried it with its basketball program set it back two decades you know the the we're we're we don't want to be a stepping stone anymore we want to hire somebody who's going to be loyal to the program and stick around and appreciates being here yeah Uh, that not doesn't necessarily always turn out the best when you when you go down that path well i mean it's going to be interesting to see because ou does need a um i mean osu if chuba hubbard comes back even if he doesn't come back if tylen wallace is able to come back healthy they should still be an eight nine maybe even a ten win program if certain guys make that leap um, athletically from a playing standpoint. Uh, Texas is always going to have talent. I mean, Sam Ellinger is coming back. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to OSU's Barstool account on Twitter because when Sam Ellinger put out that video that he was coming back, they <laughs> tweeted him and said, where the f*** are you going? 
which was my question too. I'm just like, um, okay, like, like when Landry back. Jones, when, when Landry is Jones, that is that close to like saying Texas, like we're back. When when no, Sam Ellinger no, says I'm back, I mean, what is it? Where is he coming from? No, where where did he back. go? Yes. Where has he been? Uh. <laughs> I don't get the we're back. I'm back. If you never left, if you if nothing changed for you, why are you telling us you're back? There was never a question that he was going to go to the NFL, was it? Mm-hmm. Is he thinking of the XFL? Is Bob Stoops kind of trying to lure him up the up the turnpike there, up I thirty five? In many ways, John. Texas never left. They've still been serving up quality meals at competitive prices, and that's my Austin Powers quote for the Inside OU podcast. Um, no, it, it's 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 stupid. It look, they have no other choice at the quarterback position. Sam Ellinger is a fine quarterback. He can win them anywhere from eight. No to, he can win them anywhere from eight to ten games. He can get them into the Big Twelve Championship. He he's good enough to do that. There's just nothing else, and he's not transcendently good enough to win Texas a lot of games past their flaws. He's not going to lift that team up on his shoulders and win them games. Um, Jalen Hurts did that last year, and everybody hates Jalen Hurts right now. Jalen Hurts in the second half of Baylor lifted his team up, and yes, the defense did their part as well, but he lifted them up and overcame three awful turnovers and won them a game on the road that they desperately needed against a very, very good team. So Jalen Hurts could do that. I don't see Sam Ellinger being able to do that unless he's playing Mike Stoops. That's a good point. Boom. That's a good point. He's a good. He's a very good college quarterback. I don't think he's going to translate into the NFL. I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe Taysom Hill. He's giving. But but that was a pretty that was a pretty hype video though. Oh yeah, I, I like. Shoot it! Uh, it it made made things tingle, John. Um, speaking <laughs> of Taysom Hill. You, you, I don't think Sam Ellinger is fast enough to do that. Taysom Hill runs a four four. Yeah, Taysom Hill is but, a he is a supreme athlete. I love that dude. I loved him in college. He was my favorite player to watch when he was at BYU, just because of you know he, he reminds me of Steve Young. Comes from BYU, uh, runs around, plows people over, and yet still is is athletic enough to do the things that he's doing. John, I does, love does, I love Steve Young. I, I think the world of Taysom Hill. The question I have is, does Jalen Hurts become the next Taysom Hill? I mean, that's if he's going to have a role as a quarterback in the NFL, I mean, that's going to be it. And, like, look, I understand the implications of here comes an African-American quarterback into the NFL from college. Hey, he should play receiver. He should play tight end. Like, I understand those implications. But yeah. after watching Jalen Hurts his entire career, because it's the same stuff that we talked about in the offseason going into this, to this season, John, Jalen Hurts has limitations as a passer. Mm-hmm. He's going to have those same limitations going into the NFL. And no doubt Lincoln Riley helped improve and polish him a little bit because Lincoln Riley is a very good quarterback coach. But I don't like Jalen Hurts is not going to be able to make the NFL throws. He he can't read defenses well enough to spread the football around. We saw that as the season progressed and the defenses got tougher and tougher and tougher. Having said all that, he can still find himself a role in the NFL, and I guess Taysom Hill is kind of the pinnacle of that role. And again, I understand the implications of what I just talked about, and I I certainly don't mean pile on into that tired category of people that yeah. just say Lamar Jackson. Oh, he should play wide receiver because he's really fast. Mm-hmm. And he can't throw. I had my doubts about Lamar Jackson. It had nothing to do with him as a quarterback. It had everything to do with the system of football that he played in at Louisville under Bobby Petrino. That was my concern. And I have that concern with quarterbacks coming out of the big 12 that play in Art Bryles air raids. Like 
I don't know if they're actually reading defenses or if they're throwing scripted passes. So um, there are always doubts out there. But, I mean, there is something Jalen Hurts could achieve in the NFL, and he's got the durability. He proved it this year. He proved it his entire career. He's got the durability to do it. I think he would when when they were talking about uh, Taysom Hill um, on, on Sunday in the NFC playoffs. I was watching that and I was seeing Jalen Hurts rolling out, throwing a pass, uh, catching a pass downfield, um, blocking uh, for for another guy to score a touchdown, um, taking a snap and, and running with it in a, in a wildcat or single wing type mentality. I think Jalen Hurts would be brilliant at all that. But if you, but you know, I'm with you 100%. Skill wise, talent wise, uh, ability to read defenses and diagnose what's going on around him, pocket presence. Would he be a a starter in the NFL? Would he be a backup who could be thrust into a starter's role in the NFL? I don't think Jalen Hurts has that long term ability to do that. No, I mean, again, if if Jalen Hurts gets drafted, good for him. If he doesn't get drafted finds his way onto a team and finds his way with a into a role for an NFL team. Cool. Um, I still like Jalen Hurts. I, I like him as a Sooner. I don't just like him as a college football player. So um, I I wish the best for him. He would do it too. If, if you told him, Jalen, this is what we need you to do to win games. We think we can win a Super Bowl with you in this role. You talk about a team player. Jalen Hurts would do that. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think he came to OU to rush for thirteen hundred yards and twenty touchdowns, but that's what it, Lincoln Riley asked him to do, and he did it like a champ. So you, t- I mean, I love that dude's attitude. I love his abilities. I think he would be. I think he would be a real asset to a lot of NFL teams, especially as Sean Payton and his his offense continues to trickle out into other teams and other programs and other franchises. Uh, people are are embracing more and more that kind of idea. That it doesn't have to be, you know, seven seven step drop and a and a deep throw on every play. There's other ways to win football games. Sean Payton has shown that, and I'd like to see him someday be rewarded for that. Not that I'm a Saints fan or anything. I, I just think he's a hell of a coach, and his innovations need to be rewarded for with with another Super Bowl. That'd yeah. be cool. But having a guy like Taysom Hill saying to him, "Look, we know what you want to do, but here's what we think would serve us all better." And him buying completely into it and, and saying, yeah, I'll be an NFL player if that's my role. Dude, Jalen Hurts would be all over that. Yep. I mean, I, I don't disagree at all. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a winner. He's a successful football player. And, you know, one of my main complaints about OU's def- some of their defensive players over the last few years, and I talked about it last week on the pod with you, John, is sometimes I just don't see a lot of guys that are good football players. Like, they're, they're talented in, like they're athletically gifted by because they're at OU, so they're athletically talented enough to be there. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just need a football player, and Jalen Hurts is a football player. I have no doubt that he can make plays to win games, especially even at the professional level. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, anything else, John? I don't have anything that I need to get to. If you guys want to listen to my last couple of Locked On Sooners podcast, Brady joins me today. And uh, tomorrow, uh, I don't know, I think I'm going to make it a special kind of a appreciation to all my listeners. Uh, we'll have to see, but that's Locked On Sooners. This one is uh, Franchise Inside OU. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing a little bit of both, if that's, okay with every, if that's okay with the listeners and if it's okay with Brady. Oh, yeah, it's more than okay. I need you to carry me sometimes, John. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Yep. In Inside OU, Locked On Sooners, Locked On Thunder, OKC82. All the podcasts. I'm already tired. <laughs> Podcast overlord of Oklahoma. I'll take it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. And one more shout-out to DJ Ward. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. Um, I will never bring up that play again. Do not worry. Um, you're a good sport. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, yes, thank you for listening to the show, everybody. Um, John, thank you once again. Um, we will talk next week, I'm sure. We'll have OU stuff to talk about. We might talk some basketball might talk some more recruiting we might talk about how people aggregated this podcast and i'm like no 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 <laughs> but anyway everybody thank you so much for listening we'll see you guys next week listen to brady trantham saturdays from 10 a.m to 12 p.m on 1077 the franchise and 1079 the franchise tulsa follow him on twitter at brady does sports catch all of john hoover's work at the franchiseok.com Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover and be sure to catch all of his radio call-ins throughout the week on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.